Thanks for joining us for The Whole Spectrum. I'm Katherine Parks, and I'm here with my husband, Eric, to talk about what it means, in the words of Francis Schaeffer, for the Lordship of Christ to permeate the whole spectrum of life. And for us, our view of art in particular. We love to discuss the films we see from a Christian perspective, so we invite you to join us as we cover the whole spectrum of the movie world, from classics to independent films to blockbusters. Today we're going to discuss the movie Spotlight, which is currently a frontrunner for a Best Picture Academy Award nomination. And Eric, if you will, just tell us a little bit about what Spotlight is. Thank you so much, Catherine, for having me on the show today. No, come on. <laughs> you can't say that. Beep. So I'm going to read this straight from IMDb. It's uh, the true story of how the Boston Globe uncovered the massive scandal of child molestation and cover-up within the local Catholic archdiocese, shaking the entire Catholic Church to its core. So what exactly is Spotlight? Why does the movie have that name in particular? Spotlight is a division of the newspaper, the Boston Globe, that does the deep, dark, undercover investigative reporting uh, that breaks scandal, um, bigger issues going on within the city uh, and so this four-person team is the one that takes care of these special things and it may take months to uncover or years of investigative journalism to get to the bottom of whatever they're trying to accomplish. Okay, so you as a filmmaker have a little bit more perspective on film from maybe a technical and also an artistic standpoint. Uh, I enjoy it a little bit more for the story I think and so Seeing this film, what was your um, kind of first impression of it from technical artistic standpoints? What merit did you see in the film? My first impression in that regard is that there were no flourishes. There was no Oscar bait kind of big speeches. There were no super interesting angles or lighting or things that made it try to look like a prestige picture. It was more of just like a newspaper is trying to get the facts right, it's just the facts. This movie was very straightforward, just the facts and, and storytelling and getting the truth across, kind of in a plain way, but that's not necessarily a bad way. It's just they wanted to mimic uh, the way the story was going in, in the movie. Right, so um, I think when film does that, you know, from, from my kind of limited perspective, I, I, that's very interesting when the actual production uh, imitates the story that it's telling. And so uh, it, it is, like you're saying, it's journalistic in the way that it even portrays the story of journalists, which is very interesting. Was there, in your opinion, kind of a standout performance or something um, that you're left with artistically from the film? The movie has a really good cast. Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Liv Schreiber, I think I'm saying that right. John Slattery, Stanley Tucci, Billy Crudup, uh, to name a few. So it's got a really strong cast and everybody does really well. If I had to pick one standout, I think it'd be Mark Ruffalo. It seems like he has just a little bit more to work with, particularly in one scene, maybe, maybe two scenes, but one in particular where he's going off kind of in his righteous indignation about how angry he is about what's happening, but also that he wants to get this story told and get it told quickly, especially 
in outing what started out as 13 abusive priests in, in Boston alone, but then that quickly balloons to 87 priests in the city. Uh, so he's, he's angry about it, but he knows that his editor and chief of operations, I suppose, they want to get the story deeper than that. They want to go all the way to the top, to the archdiocese, and perhaps even to the Vatican, if the Vatican was knowledgeable and covering it up. So that's the bigger story. But it's tough standing by waiting for that to happen when you know other kids are getting abused while you're sitting there waiting to uncover the story. Yeah, and I think his performance also gives the audience some catharsis, some release to draw on as our tension is building as well. Um, the more that we hear about the injustice that's been done, the more you, you want to see justice done. And so when he has kind of his big monologue, you're right there with him. And um, you feel all of those things along with his character. And, uh, and that's really helpful because it's not telling you how to feel, but it's like you're, you're sitting there thinking, yes, exactly, this is what I'm already feeling. And he's giving word to that. Uh, and I think that was one of the, the key things for me was that this is a very audience-involving kind of film uh, because it implicates everyone. And there's a key quote when the lawyer representing several of the clients uh, who were victims of one priest in particular, and he says, it takes a village to raise a child and it takes a village to abuse one. And I thought, that's really the theme of this film is if indeed it takes a village to abuse a child, and that's what the film portrays that um, whether you're part of the Catholic Church or you are uh, a resident of, you know, these communities or whatever is happening, you're seeing some hint of this. And if indeed it takes a village, then, then we're all implicit in this. And so I was left with the question, where am I in that village? Exactly uh, what am I doing or not doing that's allowing this abuse to take place, even in my own community? And in that way, I think the movie really involves the audience in a way that I, I do, you don't always get from film, where you feel very intimately connected and have this kind of immediate application to your own life. The quote I was just looking up, apparently by Edmund Burke, is the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And that's exactly what happens here, even from when these journalists are our kids in uh, middle school, junior high, high school, um, when they know things are probably happening because there was a, a scene where they're all meeting together, they're meeting with a victim, and the victim asks if any of them are Catholic, and they pretty much all said yes, they were, at least at some point growing up. Of course, that makes more sense being in Boston, um, but it sounds like they're all lapsed Catholics at this point. But at some point, they all knew something had probably been going on with a child when they were younger, maybe one of their friends, and they never said anything about it. So that's, that's where the movie does a really good job in bringing the audience in, because are there times we have seen injustice or seen things that were wrong or evil, and we just didn't stand up and have courage to out the wrong? So that was pretty, uh, that, was, that was a tough thing to take as an audience member because we know we've all, we all have regret in, in that respect. Yeah, and I think even those characters who maybe hadn't witnessed anything uh, 
they still have sort of a journalistic responsibility to look into these things when they even hear a hint of it. And, um, and we have the same responsibility. And I think, you know, a key part of that is the character of um, Walter Robbie Robinson, played by Michael Keaton, who apparently had been sent information on 20 priests at uh, some point, maybe five years prior to this, and kind of just ignored it. And so you see his character go through um, some turmoil because of that, coming to grips with the fact that you let that information slide. Maybe you didn't think it could actually be true or you weren't willing to to do the work to find out. I think sometimes that's the case. Like We're afraid of the truth. Catherine, is there a scene or scenes that stand out in the movie to you as memorable? Yeah, I would say I have two in particular that stand out to me. And one is the opening scene of the movie. And uh, the music is composed by Howard Shore. And um, seriously, silence your phone. <laughs> That's going on. <laughs> and Howard Shore, tell me more about him. <laughs> so the opening scene of the movie, uh, I, I don't normally notice music in movies but in this one, I really did. And I thought um, Howard Shore's composition was really uh, fitting for this scene because the, the whole movie opens up with a police precinct where a priest has been arrested and his victims are in kind of one area of the police station and he's in a holding cell. And you kind of see this through the eyes of a police sergeant working the front desk who comes to grips with the fact that the police are almost powerless against the church and what they're doing. And so he watches this priest walk out and get in a car and ride away. And as he does that, you hear this music that uh, sort of has these elements of beauty, but they don't really fit together. And you're listening to it thinking something about this just isn't right. It Maybe doesn't a, work. A dissonance? Yeah, it is. I, I would say that. or I mean, it's not quite cacophony, but it's... Um, you know something about this isn't right and it never really resolves. And you hear the same thing at the end of the film. You don't have that resolution that you're kind of wanting. And I think, you know, we have resolution through the movie to this particular story, but you're left with the impression that this is a huge problem worldwide. And, um, and it's kind of a good a right and true sense of um, the injustice that's been done and continues to be done. And so I think that's kind of a, a grand um, representation of the problem. And then on a very individual level, you have this scene where one of these spotlight team members realizes that a block from his house um, is a home where several of the priests who are on this list of priests who have abused children in Boston, they're living as part of a treatment center, but you find out that no treatment is actually being done to help them. And um, he's weighed down with this burden, being unable to sleep and really not think about anything other than the fact that he knows about their existence in his neighborhood and he is not at liberty to tell. And you get that sense of responsibility that hit me really hard that to know something and not say anything about it implicates you in the situation just as much as anyone else. That's true, but he couldn't say anything because they had to wait until they had the bigger, more full story 
to break before they, you know, if they let it out then, trying to stop two priests living a block down the road, they might have missed out on the 85 other ones and the bigger story that probably went all the way up to the top. So that's the tough part is sitting on your hands knowing that you could be allowing more danger to kids, but for the greater good, you've got you've to hold out a little longer. So that was a little bit gut-wrenching in some of those scenes, knowing that nothing could be done, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting, but sheesh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this. It was just tough to see some of that and see how it affected, obviously, the community, but also the individual reporters who were covering it. It's just sad and hard. Yeah, well, and I think that that's one of the, another takeaway from the film is the idea of um, journalistic integrity and investigation. And I think, you know, this is taking place 14 years ago. And you see the huge advances in technology and in particularly social media and how that's changed kind of the landscape over the last 14 years. And so, um, the fact that they could sit on that story and not have it get out, you know, is impressive to our minds today. But I think it also has something to say to us as truth tellers, um, because journalists with integrity have to do so much research, make sure they're getting the right story. They have the facts, they have the proof to back it up. And I think what we see a lot in our culture is people just putting opinion, putting rumor out there, and it kind of muddies the waters. And so you don't get that clear sense of where the truth is. And really that can damage your case against um, abusive situations because if someone can say, well, that's just not true and defend themselves, then you kind of lose your, your case against them. You don't have a leg to stand on because you were relying on rumor. And so um, I think that has kind of immediate application to our lives as well to make sure what we're putting out there is absolutely the truth. Okay, so Eric, there are not necessarily a lot of films that we would say to people, you definitely need to see this. And uh, I think I feel pretty strongly that people in ministry, pastors, staff members, should be engaging with this film on some level um, because I think we have a responsibility to do that. We're not Catholic, but the problem is not a Catholic problem. It's a problem in churches across America, across the world, um, and it's frequently churches are not a safe place for people, particularly children. And so um, why, why would you say people need to see this film? This movie definitely needs to be seen. I don't think it's for everybody, but I think what you just brought up, ministry, um, folks working in the ministry and in churches, it's really good to see. Uh, I think this brings light, which is the whole point of Spotlight, um, to a very dark corner and some dark issues that churches, and it's not just an indictment on the church because this happens in schools, it happens everywhere, but particularly churches, we could do better than this. I think we've done pretty poorly by the victims so many times in that we say the church is doing so many good things. If we bring the scandal uh, to the light, then the church will suffer, will go under, people will lose faith. But that's one of the issues in the movie is that kids have been abused and people who need comfort would naturally go to the church. Well, they can't go to the church because the church has settled with them in, you know, in mediation for a few thousand dollars 
kept it very much under the table and you have no place to go for comfort and, and it's not just physical and sexual abuse but spiritual abuse as well and you know the loss of faith that's huge um, so we've done a huge disservice to victims of this by keeping it in the dark and it's wrong it's sin yeah I was struck with a couple of verses in John 3 when I was seeing the movie and obviously it's called spotlight because that's the name of this investigative team, but it's also an image, a symbol for the whole idea of shining that spotlight on the darkness. That's what they did, and it's what we're called to do. And um, John 3 speaks about, you know, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And, you know, it's easy to think, that is what outsiders are doing. That's what the evil people in the world are doing. But anytime we seek to kind of cover up the truth in our churches, uh, I think we are complicit in that as well. One of the things that I was really struck with in watching the movie was there's a very poignant scene when one of the reporters goes to the home of one of the priests who was involved in this scandal. And as she's interviewing him, you get the sense that he's not remorseful at all and, in fact, doesn't think he did anything wrong. Um, some of that he blames on his own victimization as a child. But it struck me so hard that these wicked deeds that we're talking about from John 3 are frequently not... Um, not things that we are intentionally doing, we, we actually justify ourselves in that, that we think what we're doing is right or okay. And so much of the cover-up in this story and in you know our own lives is because we think we're doing the right thing for the greater good. And you hear that in the movie frequently. The church is doing so much good, so we don't want to to hurt people by drawing attention to this. But in reality, you're just hurting more and more people by covering it up. And well, and Adolf Hitler thought he was doing good. He thought he thought he was ridding the world of impurity, but the dude was insane. He was a sicko, so Yeah. Um, but that's we we let that kind of thing go or we we justify our own actions way too many times mm -hmm. uh, in way too many arenas, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a wake-up call to say, you know, what are the things that I think um, maybe the ends justify the means to cover this up or to make excuses for this um, serves the greater good. And inevitably, that just can't be true if John 3 is true. Um, so, you know, those are, I think, just some of our thoughts on the movie. We could obviously talk about this for a very long time, but um, to kind of finish things out... Are there any specs on the movie, kind of things that you think viewers need to be aware of before they go into it? The movie is two hours and eight minutes long. It is a true story. It came out November 25th, 2015. <laughs> I'm reading all this straight from IMDb. It's already been nominated for some Golden Globes and Independent Spirit Awards, but uh, you may be referring maybe to its rating. It's rated R for some language, including sexual references and... Uh, Sure, yeah, there's some, some rough language in it, and but the more disturbing parts are when reporters have to interview former victims, survivors, as, as they're called, and with good reason, um, having to recount some of the very specific acts of molestation that these people went through as children. 
So that's a tough, that's tough to hear, but it is also honest and true. If you can handle that, then go see it. If not, you know, maybe this isn't the movie for you, but it is a movie that seeks to, to, to bring forth truth, um, whether we like it or not. And it's a call to be bold and it's a call to point out truth. Yeah, and I think, you know, to love the victims, the survivors in our midst too, um, to seek out, you know, ways in particular to do that uh, as well. So thank you for joining us for uh, The Whole Spectrum. And we'd love to hear from you on your opinion on the movie, if you've seen it, or um, any feedback on some of the things that we've said. You can engage with us on social media or on the blog. Thanks so much for listening.